Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of From the Honeycomb, a podcast that creates a spark of positive energy in your home. Here we discuss all things architecture and design, to travel, exploring Vastu Shastra with a modern approach, and I especially love talking to like-minded women and sharing their story. I am your host, Katerina Borinova, and welcome to From the Honeycomb. So today's episode was really fun to put together because... In today's episode, I'm going to be sharing some funny stories, mistakes I've made while working in the world of construction. So just a little background, I am a licensed architect in the state of California, just recently actually became licensed, so huge achievement. And I've been in the architecture construction world now for about 12 years. So I definitely have my fair share of interesting, funny stories, things that just kind of make the job fun. I have some client stories I will be sharing. Of course, I am changing names for obvious reasons. But yeah, I just wanted to kind of share some of the behind the scenes of architecture because it is kind of a fun world. And so before we begin every episode, we like to take a moment to ground down and think of something that we are grateful for in this present moment. And I like to begin the episodes with gratitude because gratitude creates this sense of positiveness in our our day-to-day lives. So why not start the episode with something positive? And so today I'd like to share kind of what I'm grateful for and that's this podcast. I as I was, you know, getting set up for this podcast, putting it all together, I just thought I'm so grateful for this platform, for you, my listeners, for this just being a creative outlet for me. And it's challenging me in certain ways, especially on the technical level. Today, I am recording for the first time actually off of uh, Riverside. There's probably going to be a video with this episode. I have ring light now. I have my microphone all set up. I have like, like a studio space, which is really fun, really like just different and challenging for me too, because it's making me step into a world I'm not very familiar with. You know, this is recording. I did blog, you know, that is the like one little creative outlet I used to have, but podcasting has just been so fun, so different for me. So I'm really grateful for this podcast and for you guys who listen to it every week. It really means a lot to me. So architecture stories, where to begin? I think let's begin on my first internship. I think that's a fun story. It was definitely a very interesting internship that I had. It was the summer of 2012 was the first full-blown internship that I had. It was actually in Prague, Czech Republic. And in this internship, I was working on my my boss at the time. She had purchased this property. It was an old historic building. It was actually a chateau that was given to K.F. Schwarzenberg. He was a nobleman for defeating Napoleon in a battle. So a lot of history behind this building. And it was kind of abandoned. It never really was finished. And my boss found it, decided to purchase it and wanted to remodel it, rehab it into a studio space for her. And so she brought me on that summer for helping her with some of the drawings, some of the elevations and putting together a submittal because of course it's a historic building. It's on in a national forest property. So there was a lot of submittals that went along with it and it was really, really interesting. And the funny thing on this this job is I learned a lot on this job because I had never really 
spent time in an architecture office. I, you know, of course I'd been in architecture school. I did have a brief internship right before I entered architecture school where there was a firm here in Orange County that I kind of shadowed an architect maybe three or four times just to see kind of what they do. Was this something I'm ready to go, you know, do a year of, you know, of architecture school, go to college for. And so I did have a little bit of experience, but not actually working in an architecture firm. And so my first day on the job, my boss and I, we drive to southern part of Czech where this chateau was, and she tells me that she needs field measurements. And I had never taken field measurements, especially, you know, of course I've measured things. I've, we've had, I had a tape measure in class, we were measuring things, but to do a full-blown field measure of a building, also keep in mind, I am in the Czech Republic, so it is metric system. So I had to draw out the existing walls where they all were located in this chateau. Now it was crumbling, falling apart chateau. Really, it was all exposed brick. It was in terrible, terrible condition. So as I start measuring, of course, I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to measure to. And my boss did kind of explain to me what what all like I needed to measure, but I think there was also a little bit of a language barrier. Now, I was born in the Czech Republic. I speak Czech fluently. I read and write on like an elementary school level. It's a pretty hard language. I've never been to school for Czech, but definitely architecture terms is just not in my vocabulary. It's not something I talk about with my family, usually with friends and family, you know, we're not talking about plans, elevation, sections, where's the window sill, where's the, you know, the header, things like those, those words just aren't in my Czech vocabulary. So it was a little bit of a challenging first day, but, you know, to field measure for the first time in Czech. And so I started to measure everything and the walls were really crumbling. And one important part that I had to measure was these door openings where these beautiful new French doors would be designed in place. And as I'm measuring them, I wasn't quite sure what to measure. And I thought, well, all this brick is like falling apart. She's probably gonna, I mean, we're gonna demo probably, you know, a good section of this opening. So I measured the opening. And then when I drew it though, I drew it that the opening was gonna be larger because I didn't under, I, it wasn't explained to me. I've never, you know, had any experience with remodeling a building where now I know that existing brick would remain in place and whether it's plaster, drywall, whatever, all of those finishes would go on the existing brick and if there needed to be any reinforcing, that would be put in. So I measure, once I get back to the office, I start drawing based on my measurements and so the doors are just really wide and she's like, oh, you know, these, I didn't realize the doors were gonna be this wide. A few weeks later go by and she made a comment about how, well, you know, I said something about demoing the bricks and she said, no, 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 we're not, we're not going to demo the bricks. It's just the opening is as is. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I have been working on these drawings, renderings, you know, I did color renderings for her. I've been working on these drawings with the wrong dimensions. These doors are probably six inches smaller than they're supposed to be. And so when I had that realization, I realized what I did and it was a holiday week. It was the first week of July, I remember, because it was a, there's a lot of Czech holidays in that week. And so we had the whole week off and I remember realizing my mistake. One thing that right from the beginning of my career I have done, even to just recently where I did make a mistake on a project, is address it right away. I don't like to try to lie my way out of it, um, but just be honest and say, hey, I made this mistake because I think when you approach an issue like that, when you've made a mistake, 
it's more forgiving. If someone came up to me and told me they made a mistake on my project and they were very upfront about it right at the beginning and said, hey, completely missed this, don't know how I did here. And then also bring me a solution with it. And so that's what I did for my boss is I did all on my free time during the vacation time. I updated all the drawings, made all the corrections. When I came back and I didn't even tell her about it during it, you know, the holiday weekend, came back into the office Monday and said, hey, I'm completely misunderstood what you meant by measuring. So unfortunately the doors are actually smaller. Our design is gonna have to change. The emblem that we designed for the doors is going to have to change, but I've already made the adjustments to the drawings and I caught it and I want you to know it's taken care of and I've double checked everything. And so I presented with her and it was in that moment and that was one of the first times I'd ever worked for someone where I was nervous about telling them I had, a, you know, I had made a mistake. And so she took it very well and she said, you know, thank you for, for, you know, being upfront about it. That was a huge lesson in my architecture career. Learning right away from the beginning is it's okay if you make a mistake. You don't want to avoid obviously making mistakes. But if you do make a mistake, it's, you know, just be upfront with it right from the beginning. And so that was kind of my first day at the job to first internship really just learned a lot. So, but that project was really fun because I mostly have stayed in residential. There's every internship I've had because every summer between the semesters, I would have a different internship, work at different places. I even worked at an interior design firm, which I guess I can say now, I don't even have this on my list of things to share today, but I guess I can share that story now about, I accidentally got a job at an interior design firm and this was when back when I was in Chicago on accident. So what happened is I was actually applying for architecture internships. And there was one architect that shared, I guess, a floor with an interior designer. And as I was Googling, trying to call the number, I accidentally called, and I don't know how I did this, accidentally called the interior designer. Now, separate, completely separate companies. They just shared a loft space together. There was a smaller portion for the interior design company, and then the architects had another side of the loft. And I accidentally somehow called the interior design company. And so I said, you know, I'd love to work. I'm a student at Illinois Institute of Technology. I would love a summer internship with you, blah, blah, blah. And the receptionist said, oh my gosh, of course, Monica cannot wait to meet you. And I'm thinking, who's Monica? I thought I called Dave. Again, remember, names are changed, so I can't tell you who I actually worked for. But I said, Monica, and she said, and so, so yeah, so the receptionist said, yeah, you know, Monica would love to meet you. Can you come in next week? And I'm thinking, oh yeah, absolutely, of course. Put the phone down and I'm like, who is Monica? And I'm like, I was supposed to call an architect called Dave, obviously missed that up. So I start looking up who this Monica is and find out she's an interior designer. And I thought, you know what? A job's a job, it's still in the industry. And I said, you know, maybe it'd be interesting. I've never, you know, in architecture school, we design the shell of the building, we talk about the structure, but we never talk about the interior design, the furniture. And I'm thinking, well, maybe I can learn something from this job. So I go into the job interview and of course it comes up that I'm studying architecture, not interior design. Why do I want this job? And so full honesty, I said, you know, in architecture school, we never get into the interior design. And I think it'd be really fascinating, really interesting for me to dip my toes into this industry just to see if, if I even like it, if I'm even interested in it in a way. I kind of didn't put it exactly that way, but I said, I'd love to dip my toes in this industry because I don't have access to it at school. 
And so I got hired and I actually had that job for about a year, which is amazing. That was the longest job I'd actually ever had. And I continued working there during school. It was just such a fun environment. I had some amazing coworkers, some I am still friends with today. And I think one of them actually might listen to this podcast. So I'll shout out to her. And it's been, so that was, that was a really, really great job that I kind of accidentally got. And yeah, it was actually really interesting working in interior design, learning about furniture clearances, how furniture once they, you know, of interior designer designs, for example, a sofa, the fabric that has to be delivered and and ordered and all of the shipment that com- goes around. It, it is a lot of work. There are interior designers who do a lot of work and we also did drawing. So I was actually the CAD person because I was one of the few people at the time when I got hired who knew AutoCAD. And so architects would send us the plans. I would, you know, work with them, draw whatever we were designing, whatever tables, chairs, and then I would put them into AutoCAD. So that's actually how I ended up being really useful at this company. And it really taught me a lot of organization skills and the coworker that I just mentioned I really looked up to her. That was an internship where I had actually worked with women for the first time. Although the boss in Czech was a female, I hadn't really ever worked with too many other women because usually in architecture, it's, it's a male-dominated industry. And so this coworker, she was someone I definitely look up to the way, you know, I would listen to her talk to clients and talk to vendors and take care of things. And she was really an example from early on in my career on how to get things done, how to be organized and yeah, so that was kind of a fun accident on how I got that job, but it was one of my fa- one of my more favorite jobs. It was really interesting. It was fun. It was picking out colors, picking out fabrics. It was just overall a really fun experience. And so coming off of that story, I wanted to share. So of course there's fun moments and you have fun clients and then there's just some weird jobs that I've had. And there was one project I worked on for a gentleman who... Somehow how he made his money was some sort of commercial back in the 80s. Don't really remember what it was about, but he had this stunning apartment in Chicago right on the lakefront. Just gorgeous interior. And we had done, my office that I was working for at the time had done his entire apartment and he now hired us to design a pet gate for him a gate for pets because his pets were climbing on furniture. He didn't want them in certain rooms. So we designed, my architecture (laughs) office, designed a $40,000 pet gate. Was it automatic? No, it was just this ornate custom wood gate that was went into two like hall openings so that the pets couldn't go through and it had a little gate and it was the nicest gate and fence I have ever seen in my entire life. Obviously it was $40,000 worth of just really nice hardware. Just it, it slid so you could push it aside if you needed to, absolutely amazing. But this client was such a pain in the ass and he was so, just, I can't even, I don't know what to even describe, but I went, when I, the day we went to go install the gate at his house, he was just so hovering and just, there was just this energy about him. I went home with a migraine, like the first migraine I think I've ever fully had where I I came back to the office completely exhausted by just his, 
his attitude and how he he wanted that he's you know the pet gate put together and it was very complicated at first to install it to put it together and I sat there with the cabinetry guy and you know we were kind of figuring out okay how can we install this and make sure that it works and the craziest thing is during that site visit there was a cat we were kind of by the kitchen area and there was this cat in this bed and he had I don't know how many cats and dogs little dogs and stuff but there was only this one cat and no joke, the cat had its own personal doctor, like on call. And because I remember this woman coming in, or it was, a nurse, it was actually a nurse, I guess, coming in and hooking up an IV to this cat. I think I might have asked her something like, oh, is the cat okay? And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, this, this, this cat's like 17 years old. Um, I'm just giving it some IV, some nutrition, like whatever. And so she like stayed there and took care of this cat. And I remember thinking, this cat has better health care than half of the United States. It was just like mind-blowing how much this guy spent on his animals. But I thought it was so funny that there was like this cat with its own private nurse. And it, this nurse only took care of this cat. It was just so crazy. And there's definitely some weird client stories. This is one of the, the weirder ones for sure that I have. And of course, yeah, the clients, it's, it's so interesting. Um, that's one thing I love about residential is you really have a one-on-one -on -one connection with the client, with the, with the people. It's different than when you're, you know, designing an office building or something, you're building something for someone's home. So it's just, and the clients, people really let you into your home. I mean, it is an intimate process. And that's one of the things I love about architecture is how intimate it is. Sometimes it gets obviously a little too intimate and you find out, you know, this cat has better health care than you do. But that was really interesting to, to see. So, but of course, you know, job site visits too are always fun part of the job. There's days where I'm sitting in the office doing AutoCAD all day, renderings, just working on that, which isn't really what I to, like, isn't always my favorite part. It is going to the actual job sites and seeing whatever it is that you drew come in in 3D, you know, and full see it, you know, built in front of you, which is cool. And so some fun things at the at job sites is I've actually been asked if I'm the client. Now coming into a job site, usually I'm, I would say 98% of the time I'm the only female 99% of the time I'm the youngest person, the pro youngest professional on the job site, as far as whether it's the architect, any of the engineers, you know, now I, I think I'm getting, there's been a few projects recently where I may be the sec second youngest, um, I'm 30 years old. And so I've noticed now maybe there's one or two people professionals that are maybe a year, you know, a little bit younger, but the people I mostly interact with on a day to day are much older men. So definitely coming onto a job site, I've been called the assistant. I've been called, you know, several of my boss's assistants. I've been called a receptionist, which I am obviously not. And I cannot wait now. The next person's next person who, you know, says something like, oh, are you the assistant or whatever? They're like, no, I'm the licensed architect. So, ha, yeah, I know. I'm having uh, my business cards made and I can't wait to like give it away to like everybody and like give it away at meetings because it'll say project architect. But one fun thing is that I've been called at, at job sites is if I'm the client, and this recently actually happened to me on a project, and I was just so honored. I was like, wow, you think I live in this gorgeous house? Well, like this multi-million dollar house? Well, thank you. This is like such a compliment. But I had to, it was a, it was a subcontractor was walking through and he was looking for the contractor and he's like, oh, are you the client? I was like, no, I'm part of the architect team. 
and the project manager, is there anything I can help you with? He's like, oh, I thought you were the client. And so of course that was very complimentary to me because I would love to live in a lot of the homes that we we work in. So that's kind of a fun, fun little story, just that. But one story where I will actually give the name of the client, because um, I didn't have to sign any NDAs for this client, but this was a lesson I learned on, I Google a lot of my clients now after this little faux pas, if you will, mistake. And again, I made the mistake and right at the moment I made, realized I made the mistake, I was upfront with my boss about it. So let's back up on what this little faux pas story is. So I was working on a project. It was under the name Hobson. I didn't know who that was. They kept saying, you know, the Hobson project, we usually, a lot of the projects we have are named after the last name of the client. So, oh, it's the Hobson residence. Like for me, if, if I was a client, it'd be the Burianova uh, residence, or I guess McKean Burianova residence. And so we were working on this project and, you know, the multiple names, sometimes, you know, multiple names were brought up during the project. And sometimes I've had very wealthy clients who have maybe like assistant managers or we talk to their assistant or they have a project manager or like a representative that they, that kind of filters information from us through to the client. So that's also been a way we've, I've, I've worked in the past, but, and that's who I thought, I was sending plans to. I thought I was sending plans to the Hobson's assistant. And it was a tricky plotter at this firm that I was working at. I guess there were three options I was supposed to print, put together, and have delivered to to the, the clients. But I thought I was sending it to the assistant. You know, I kept hearing the assistant's name and I'm thinking, gosh, this name sounds so familiar. And it wasn't until the moment where I wrapped up the plans, I called the bike messenger because I was working in Chicago at the time, called the bike messenger and said, I have a delivery, you know, can you please pick it up from our office, deliver it to this address to the attention of George Lucas. And there was like silence at the other line, at the other end of the line. And I, he goes, George Lucas? I said, yep, George Lucas. Um, just attention to him, you know, just leave it in the in the downstairs lobby. Um, they'll take care of it. He's like, okay. So I put the phone down. I kind of sit back and I think, that why does that name sound so familiar? I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm like, let me just Google the name just to see what happens. So of course I put into the computer, George Lucas. George Lucas is the guy who created Star Wars. He owns Lucas Films. He is like the mastermind behind the Star Wars world. Star Wars world. That's crazy. I sent plans to George Lucas. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. I ended up finding out I only sent him two of the three options because one of the options printed again. So I thought I had all three options. So when I found that out, my boss freaked out and was like, oh my gosh. Oh, I kind of said the story wrong. <laughs> I'll just restart. So I actually found out, no, okay, yeah, let me back up. I'm so sorry. Let me kind of back up. So I sent the plans, the plans were wrong, found out the plans were wrong. And my boss then told me, oh my gosh, you have to resend the plans. That's a huge mistake. How could you have messed this up? Like you need to resend the plans. And I wrote a letter that said, dear Mr. Lucas, I apologize for the inconvenience that I may have caused. This was supposed to be the, you know, the third option, blah, blah, blah. That's when I called the bike messenger 
And then I had the bank messenger say, you know, please attention to George Lucas, yada, 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 the story. And that's kind of where I kind of messed that up. And see, I'll be right up in front and honest with you guys about it, that I kind of messed that story up. But I realized, moral of the story was, Google your clients because I had to write a handwritten letter to George Lucas apologizing that I sent him the wrong plans and I didn't even know who he was. And I think that was actually better that I found out after the fact that who he was. Anyway, that's kind of my story on how I definitely, definitely have to check on the clients. And then the reason it was called the Hobson residence is because it was actually his wife. It was the name on the projects. I think it was probably having to do with privacy and making sure it didn't say the Lucas residence. Everybody would have probably known, well, everybody except me would have known who it was for. So we did actually use her name on a lot of the documents and a lot of um, the projects. So that's kind of fun. I didn't ever have to sign it. The fun, the thing is why I never knew who he was is I had been to the the job site at least once or twice, I think at that point, um, to field measure. I never had to sign an NDA. I never had to sign anything. So I, you know, I didn't know, you know, who, who we were working for. I do know about maybe a couple months into the project, we did receive a letter that said like, you know, once the job starts, you cannot take pictures, things like that. And you know, all of that, which totally understand. But, but yeah, so that was my, that is my George Lucas story. And that is why I always Google who my clients are. I have had some famous um, clients, uh, famous actors. Those I, I can't share. This was the only one I figured I could share because it was a long time ago. And yeah, it was just a small mistake. So anyway, so that was my little George Lucas story. But I've had some, some, so those are some funny client stories. I've had clients who, there's one story of a couple I want to tell you about, the Smiths. And the Smiths, they were an odd bunch. They were an odd couple. They were elderly couple, I would say probably maybe in their early 70s. I was working on a project with the, um, for, the, for their, their residence. And I was at a job site meeting. There was a weekly job site meeting and we were there with, with Tom, Tom Smith. Oh yeah, oh, that's John Smith from Pocahontas. No, Tom Smith, that'll be the name I'll give this client. So Tom Smith was there and I was there with my boss and we were looking at cabinets. The cabinets were being installed, but we weren't sure, you know, we were gonna ask where did he want the, the knobs on the cabinets? So you don't, these are things, you know, architects kind of, we, we deal with, but the day-to-day -day person probably doesn't think about, well, who cares where the knob goes? Well, when you look at a cabinet door, um, maybe look around, around you, there's different locations on the cabinets, how close you want the knobs together, how far apart you want the knobs, how high, maybe depending on the size of the knobs. And so we had the knobs and, you know, we said, would you like it in this location? He said, yeah, fine, let's do it, we approve it. And his wife, Let's see, I don't even remember if I remember her name. We'll call her Patty, Patty Smith. Patty Smith was not at the meeting because she had actually had a some plastic surgery, cosmetic surgery done on her face, which we thought she was going in for like a medical procedure that was more like life-threatening kind of a thing because it was made a big deal about how she's gonna be out for so long. And obviously she, I ended up seeing, she had, I think it was like a facelift because I remember I saw her because I saw her the following week. She wasn't able to make it to this site meeting where Tom decided to locate the knobs where he where he thought would be fine. The following week, after some of half of the, the residence's knobs had been installed, Patty comes in. Patty sees where the knobs are. And I had seen her, she looked much younger. 
And then I think it was like a facelift or something because I saw like the scars behind her ear of like where they pulled her skin back. Anyway, so Patty <laughs> looked at the knobs and went into a full-blown tantrum. Full-blown tantrum because here's what she did. She looked at the knobs. She went to go open, it, open up the cabinetry doors and she opened it with the right, with her right hand. She opened the right door. Fine. Then she went to go open the left. She opened that one. Then she closed them again. Then she went to go open the left cabinet door. So she put her hands between the knobs and this is where the tantrum started. She went full blown tantrum because, and slamming her fingers into the cabinet, yelling at Tom, look, I can't fit my fingers in between these knobs. How am I supposed to get to the left door? And I'm watching this thinking, well, you just take your left hand, open up the left door, cabinet door. You take your right hand, open up the right cabinet door. I would never in my mind have thought to put my hand in between the knobs to open the left cabinet door. And I'm right-handed. She started freaking out, yelling, slamming her hand in between all of the knobs to show us that they're too close together, that she cannot comfortably get her hand between the two knobs. We had to remove all of the knobs that had been installed, take out all the cabinet doors, <laughs> have them re-sanded, fill in the little hole, and then the knobs were put to get, were put back in further apart so she could put either hand, maybe both hands at the same time, I don't remember now, so she could open the doors the way she wanted to. Crazy. Yeah. She wasn't, that was a nutcase couple that had so many other things. I won't go into detail because then maybe I'll give away if anybody listening knows who I worked with, <laughs> who it was. But they were just like, some of the artwork that they had, and that's one thing is sometimes clients have artwork that isn't always, I, they had this like monkey chandelier. It was like all these monkeys hanging off a chandelier, but it was like really tacky, I hate to say. But anyway, that was an interesting um, client that worked for. Definitely they, I think my coworker actually got a migraine from that client. So there's definitely like client relationships you, you definitely have to kind of worry about. But sometimes it's challenging to work with certain people, the personalities, couples especially. Couples are really interesting to work with because it really challenges a couple just in their own personal life, especially if they've never done a remodel together. Construction time creates a lot of, you know, instability in your in your day-to-day -day life as someone who's going to go remodel a home because you have to move out of your home your daily you know practices your rituals whatever it is that you were doing you know you you're displaced from your home and then you have to make very quick decisions in a very short amount of time together as a couple and a lot of these decisions cost a lot of money and are very permanent you know whether it's placing a window in a certain location or heaven forbid placing the knobs you know <laughs> quarter inch apart, you know, whatever it is, there's a lot of decisions that you have to make and you have to make together oftentimes. And so that's always interesting is working with different couples. And I've had some amazing clients, clients that I wish I could, you know, share in detail with you. Some that have made me feel so, so welcome in their home and who have just, you know, praised my work and my organization skills and just clients who have really made me you know, and who have confirmed that I am doing and following my dharma. My dharma is, you know, your dharma is your soul's purpose, the reason you've come on this earth. 
And for me, it is to design homes. And so there's so many clients that have reassured me that this is the path, the journey that I'm on. Whenever I was struggling with my exams, you know, I do think about some of the clients that I have helped create design a home for and who are, you know, so happy. And so that's always such a rewarding part of, of my job. And even though I do work for, you know, the, the high-end residential, it's, you know, the 1%, there are really grateful people and some of the more wealthy people, I should say, I, I really admire and work for are those that are self-made. A lot of the people I've worked for have made their millions by working hard in very interesting industries. There's some of the industries my clients have worked in are just super fascinating and you do learn so much about different industries as well. And it's been, I have a client right now who works in an industry that is very interesting. And actually he worked with another Czech woman and he, we went back and forth on multiple emails talking just about, you know, the Czech Republic. And she just had so much praise too about it. It's, it is just really, really rewarding at the end of the day when you have that, that good client. But there are, you know, those, there's, there's ups and downs just as in every job or every career, every, you know, path you you take but the clients definitely make it worthwhile and even some of these kooky clients um obviously it's fun now I have some stories to share and it also just kind of lets me know like I'm pretty normal on the the scale but and it's a trend I've noticed is the clients who have been in wealth for multiple generations are the ones that are more difficult to work with which is in a way they they don't, for example, they have a different outlook on the money that's being spent, which is very interesting on a psychological way, not to go on like a tangent about psychology and stuff, but how money affects people is very interesting and how they spend it and at what rate they spend it and what decisions they make. It's been very interesting to see how different people make decisions based on how they acquired their wealth and especially when it comes to their home and how they want to invest in their home. So that's definitely some some interesting kind of side thought about working with with people in architecture something maybe you don't maybe you didn't know but yeah it's definitely fun working with a lot of people a lot of individuals so yeah so I'm just trying to think there's there's so there's the good and then of course there's the challenging and you know I've shared some stories about clients but of course you have the design team that includes the architect, the interior designer, any consultants, lighting consultants, engineers, structural engineers, acoustical engineers, mechanical engineers. I mean, that's also been part of my job that has been very interesting and has, has been kind of a test on how I work as a in a team. It's been, I don't really have any stories working with consultants or with contractors. I have much more stories um, it's like how to put some of these delicately. There is there is a contractor I I worked with who I don't even know where to begin on this project. It was the worst project I've ever worked on and actually both my boss and the contractor agreed this is the most difficult job they've ever worked on and they between the two of them have over 80 years worth of experience. It's been, it was a job that was very challenging. It made me want to quit almost every single day. The client was very difficult. Looking at the lessons from that job, not to go into, I don't even know how much detail to go into or what, problem is I don't know. I'm not comfortable yet talking too much about this project, but it was a very difficult project. And it tested, it definitely tested me on is like, can I keep doing this? Can I keep 
working on this project? Can I, you know, can I keep my sanity? And so there's definitely times where things test you. And one thing maybe if you don't know is when we work with clients or contractors or consultants, especially clients, we work with them for multiple years, which is also something I guess I could kind of come back to the couples is we've had clients or I personally haven't had clients, but I know my firms that I've worked at and I've heard about stories from my coworkers is sometimes couples get divorced in the middle of construction. They didn't make, you know, they were kind of making it through the design process or sometimes I guess couples have thought that doing construction or remodel will maybe strengthen their relationship or it'll fix whatever's wrong. And it's kind of that mentality of, well, if we'll have a kid, it'll fix, you know, the, the relationship or something. And so they'll be okay getting through the design phase. And then once you start, you know, processing the plans through the city and then construction starts, it has happened that couples have gotten divorced while construction occurs because if it's a brand new building, it could take two, maybe three years to build depending on the size, the complexity of it. I do work in a coastal town here in Southern California and there's a lot of bluff tops and hillsides that you have to dig into. So sometimes the not fun, the structural part of it can take, you know, a year just to get the structure of the house ready for the rest of it. So we're working with these people with, you know, I work with these, this team of people on a project for multiple years often. And so it's really interesting. You really get to know a lot of people and, and there's, there's definitely some interior designers I favor now and some consultants I love working with. There's consultants that are very difficult, especially to meet deadlines, but overall, like it's a team effort. And so I don't really have any, any stories of, of working with I just, yeah, there's one contractor I will never, ever, ever, ever work with in my entire life. That's the one thing. And I don't think I'll ever be put in a position to have to work with him again. But that's, that's kind of that. Um, and then speaking of some, yeah, gosh, I don't know. I, uh, I don't know if I should share this, but I guess I think it's kind of, it's disgusting. It's so gross. One time I worked for someone and they used to, I can't believe I'm saying this. It's so disgusting. They used to blow their nose into a tissue and then wipe the tissue all over their face after they blew into it. I don't think I've ever seen anything more disgusting. That's just like a random disgustingness, like disgusting note, just a side note, but that that's kind of gross. So that's like like the one like weird gross story thing. But otherwise I think that kind of covers some of my like like stories about working and at least ones that I'm willing to share on such a public platform. But there's definitely some other, cre- like there's, just wild stuff that clients do in front of you, you know, they start feeling comfortable in front of you and coworkers. I have coworkers stories. I, I, maybe I'll put in for another episode, but there's some coworker stories that, um, well, it's, I mean, everybody has, you know, I'm sure stories of people they've worked with, but for the time being, I will not be sharing those. Maybe I'll write a memoir or something when I'm older and share more about some of those stories. But yeah. So yeah, this has kind of been a a fun episode of just like sharing with you guys kind of the behind the scenes of architecture. It's, you know, not always just the drawings and the submitting to the city and going to job sites, meeting with contractors. You have those little moments of comic relief sometimes and sometimes that are just like really cringy. But yeah, thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you like it, give it a heart or thumbs up and you can follow me on at from the honeycomb podcast on Instagram. I post 
pretty frequently about construction if you're very interested. And thank you so much for listening and see you next week. Bye.